The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor of the magazine. In this episode, Larry Guthrie, CCIM Institute Director of Communications, is joined by Tim O'Rourke, Managing Director at JLL, to discuss what's driving cold storage's impressive growth within industrial commercial real estate. The two detail the unique challenges and opportunities related to cold storage and its crucial role in the supply chain and last mile delivery. Hi, I'm Larry Guthrie, Director of Communications for CCIM Institute, and I'm here with Tim O'Rourke, Managing Director with global commercial real estate company JLL. In his role, Tim is also a team leader for the Industrial Services Group in Los Angeles and a member of the firm's Supply Chain and Logistics Solution Group. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tim. Thank you, Larry. Good to uh, Nice to meet you online. Yes, absolutely. So it seems like we have just the right person to tackle the topic we have on tap today, uh, which is cold storage industrial. JLL published some research on this topic in September of last year titled Cold Storage in the Post-COVID Economy. Some great information there. You're quoted in the research saying there are three main drivers of cold storage, the three P's. Uh, ports, meaning imports and exports, population and production. So it seems like a good place to start. Can you unpack that quote a bit for me? Yeah, basically, if you don't have one of those three P's, there's no reason to have a cold storage facility. So when we talk about production, we're talking about the Midwest and the uh, pork and beef. We're talking about the Southeast with poultry. Uh, We're talking about um, potatoes in, in the Pacific Northwest, et cetera. The ports are all about the import and export because we still import and export a ton of food. And so it's keeping that uh, supply chain in in terms of the food supply chain um, moving quickly. And then the last is the population because we all like to eat and consume food. And so it's all about the population centers and having that food uh, fresh and available to the population. That makes sense. And especially in this past year, if you're like me, you might have uh, consumed a bit more than you usually have in past years. Uh, But I digress. The uh, industrial warehouse sector, you know, it's been such a bright spot in commercial real estate in the COVID era. How has cold storage's outlook changed in the last 12 months? And what role has cold storage played in the e-commerce boom? And even is the COVID vaccination rollout, has that played any role as well? Um, Well, as you started out, industrial is the darling of the uh, real estate world right now, and cold storage is a subset. So hence, everyone's been looking at cold storage for the last probably five years, and it was mainly due to uh, investment spreads. Uh, Cold storage tended to trade 150 to 200 basis points above dry warehousing in the same market. And so that was a way for an investor to get, you know, additional returns, obviously. Um, So fast forward to, you know, 12 months ago, um, call it February, March of 2020, when COVID started. Um, we saw issues within the uh, food supply chain, and that's when it really uh, hit center stage, if you will. Um, so we saw a lot of impact on the grocery chains. 
on the um, the wholesale distributors, the Cisco, the U.S. Food Services, Performance Food Group. Obviously, half their customer base tends to be restaurants, and the restaurants were shut down in a lot of states. So there's definitely a change in the pattern of distribution um, and consumption, too, because traditionally, 60 to 70% of our dollars were spent outside the home, and now it was spent inside the home because we're all eating at home and stuck at home due to COVID-19. Did you find that with the e-commerce boom in uh, grocery sales, did that offset the uh, dip in restaurant? It, it definitely did. And we saw that in March. And a lot of the calls that we were on in March was addressing the online grocery, whether it's uh, you know, delivery or uh, pickup at the stores. Um, you saw Instacart, I think in May or June, they announced their uh, sales were up five or 600%. I think the, the latest numbers I saw for online grocery sales, they were up sixfold since 2019. So that's a huge increase. And so that was part of the the, um, the cold storage solution that we were trying to find over the last nine months. Um, the other issue is the consumption patterns were changing. Um, technically, we weren't eating and drinking more, just where we were consuming uh, the product. And that changed more of the population centers. So we saw a lot of issues there. Um, in terms of the rollout of the vaccine, it really has minimal impact on the cold uh, chain and mainly because of the temperature requirements. Uh, the Pfizer vaccine, I believe, is minus 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And the um, Moderna is, the requirements for Moderna is minus uh, 20 degrees. So typically, a cold storage facility, the coldest temperatures are really minus 20 degrees for ice cream. You do have blast freezing, but it wouldn't be appropriate to store pharmaceuticals in those. So um, what we're really seeing is more of a mobile freezer type unit, which we're restoring the COVID vaccine. So it really has little impact on the existing stock of 250 million square feet. That's interesting. So it's almost like a niche within the niche of uh, this kind of mobile sub. Correct. Yeah. Because you have FDA requirements. Um, so you have a lot of other requirements. What UPS did, which was heavily publicized a couple of months ago, is they took down a 400,000 square foot warehouse near their global hub in Louisville and installed mobile freezer units. And those freezer units in those four, in that 400,000 square foot building hold actually 14 million vials of the vaccine. Wow. So obviously that's a ton. You know, a suitcase size of the vials is 1,000 vials. So it's we're not talking about a lot of space here in terms of uh, you know the, the cubic requirements for uh, the vaccine. It's really an issue right now of distributing the vaccine via air or the ground and really administering the vaccine on the ground. Um, it's really not a storage issue, if you will. And it, it, so it sounds like really the opportunity there is for your traditional cold storage, which kind of leads right into the next question that I have for you. For... Uh, Commercial real estate professionals, if they're, what do they need to know about this sector versus dry warehouse space? Yeah, your research, um, the research share uh, shows that cold storage buildings can cost nearly twice that of a regular warehouse, but the cap rates have been compressing. So, what other challenges and opportunities exist in cold storage? Yeah, the real challenge is it's not a one size fits all. Um, when you're talking about cold storage, as I said earlier, you're talking minus 20 degrees for certain ice creams, minus 10 degrees for other ice creams. Your proteins are zero to 10 degrees. And then you start getting into liquids and produce, which could be 36 to 45, 50 degrees. 
So there's a lot of temperature ranges. So it's all about flexibility. One of the biggest issues we're seeing right now, or not issues, but um, opportunities, is spec cold storage. And right now we're tracking about 28 projects, totaling 6.3 million square feet in the U.S. And so that's this spec is trying to address the issues and the shortages that we have in the population centers. So the professionals, what they should understand is, is there an opportunity within the market? What is the supply of cold storage within that market? And really, what is the population growth? Because all the spec that we're seeing is in centers where the population is growing right now. So the Arizonas, the Texas, Florida, the Southeast, et cetera. So along with that kind of population growth, were there, are there other real key factors that you find when it's coming when it comes down to site selection in uh, cold storage? You know, it's really going back to the three P's. You know, what are you trying to address? You know, the ports, the population or production. And then once you figure that out, if you're trying to address the population, then it's the zoning, what will allow access to workforce and access to, you know, clean and plentiful energy, which is usually in the form of electricity. Um, You know, the workforce has been a challenge throughout the industrial arena, um, just because we've had very tight labor markets over the last year and a half, two years. And so it's very important to make sure that you have a viable workforce to service a facility. So with workforce and trying to find that workforce, are you, and also where your demand is, are you finding that opportunities are existing outside your primary urban markets? Like are there, uh, when it comes to secondary and tertiary markets, is there some growing demand there? Where's the potential in those areas? There is some growing demand in the secondary and tertiary markets, but the largest consideration is really transportation because that's really the largest cost bucket when you look at these facilities. So they tend to be located um, where it minimizes transportation costs for the client, um, whether that is a producer, whether that's a grocery chain, whether that's a wholesale distributor. So it's, it's really all about the transportation side of the aspect. Well, and it's interesting, too, because we have transportation to consider. But also, uh, the report notes that compared to dry warehouse space, cold storage also requires a quite a larger initial capital expenditure. So, where uh, are you expecting those those uh, projections to remain strong? Um, as far as like maintaining those healthy returns, where how do you how do you kind of balance that all out? All those different factors to make that new, any kind of new development pencil out? Yeah, it's really, we look at it as a supply demand uh, type issue on the supply side. There's roughly 250 million square feet of cold storage in the U.S. with an overall stock of industrial being roughly 13 billion. So it's usually only two to 3% of the overall stock. And as we noted in the report, 78% of that cold storage was built before the year 2000. And the average age is 42 years old. So when you look at that, there's definitely opportunities um, to tear down and improve. And that gets back to your savings with the energy, et cetera. So we still see a lot of opportunities um, over the next five years. And the spec cold storage, which I talked about earlier, 6 million square feet is probably just a drop in a bucket compared to what's going to be required, maybe the 40, 50 million square feet over the next five years. And, you know, it's interesting because I I thought that was an interesting uh, data point around the 78% of cold storage buildings were built before 2000. And 
whether you're, you know, raising and, and kind of, d- of developing from scratch, all the tech that is expected to go into these n- the new construction automation and what other types of technological advances are you finding when people are doing new construction that are kind of must-haves? And then what are those that are kind of nice-to-haves when it comes to cold storage? Yep. Well, and I'm glad you addressed the automation because it's definitely a growing uh, sector of the cold storage. Because when we talk about workforce, obviously the automation reduces the need for, you know, 200 bodies to work in a facility. And so that helps tremendously and helps keep down the cost. It's higher upfront. So an automated freezer building, maybe eight, nine times uh, the cost of a dry building. Um, once wow. you deal with the automation and so on. So it's a huge upfront investment, but obviously if you're one of your larger cost buckets is, is labor, then you're going to save long-term. What other technological uh, necessities outside of automation, if you're doing that new construction that is kind of expected uh, for new construction cold storage? Yeah, so that's really getting into the systems or the central plant, if you will. How are you refrigerating the space? And so there's a combination of different systems, um, anywhere from a low charge ammonia system to a CO2 cascade system, which are using different refrigerants. We've moved away from the Freon systems for the most part, which tend to be less efficient, larger scale. And obviously the ammonia systems are more efficient. Ammonia is actually better for the environment, although it is poisonous to humans. So there's always concern and safe handling of the ammonia systems, which is much more efficient in a larger scale environment. That You could not set me up better for um, the, our last question is when you were talking about ESG and environmental, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, Freon versus ammonia and the energy uses around this. It, it seems to be a major concern for cold storage owners and operators. And also, it, you know, ESG just keeps growing and growing, especially in the U.S., certainly in Europe, they've kind of been ahead of us where that's concerned. Where do you see ESG playing out? You know, we know from what you had shared a little bit about what's happening, how it's affecting current cold storage, but where do you see it playing out in the next two to five years? Where are we headed uh, as far as the impact of ESG on cold storage and industrial? Well, I think all the new projects that we talked about earlier, uh, whether it's, you know, purpose build a suit uh, for the end um, user or whether it's spec cold storage, they're all newer systems. So they're all going to be better for the environment in that sense and reduce energy consumption. But also, I think we're going to be retiring some of the older facilities in the U.S. The ones that are over the age of 50 and so on are going to get retired eventually um, because there's higher and better uses for a lot of those sites. Um, especially with the, uh, the load um, uh, that they take on the environment, basically, as you stated. So I just think the new construction is going to address a lot of the environmental uh, issues going forward. Do you think there's any opportunity for adaptive reuse with all this kind of inventory coming online as a result of the pandemic? Is there, uh, when it comes to cold storage, certainly some of uh, the dry warehouse, they're snapping it up. But for cold storage, are there opportunities there as far as adaptive reuse? There's definitely opportunities in the second, third generation buildings, especially if you're a major population center. So if you're in a Los Angeles or Northern Jersey or Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago, whatever the case may be, even a 24-foot clear older 
uh, cooler freezer building lends itself to being um, upgraded, if you will, uh, from both an energy consumption standpoint and also an operational standpoint. Um, because as we discussed earlier, it's all about the last mile delivery. So a lot of those facilities may not be great for storing product, but they may be great for the short-term storage and delivery of the product to the uh, population base. So it seems like there's there's some, hopefully our listeners are picking up on all these great tips that you've shared as far as where, what you can do with your existing inventory that's in your market, as well as helping uh, advise their clients or their firm on some new construction where this is uh, cold storage is concerned, because it seems like it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, any last thoughts or uh, advice you'd like to share for either those that are wanting to dip their toe into this market or find themselves presented with this for the first time? I think, you know, what we've seen over the last nine months is there's a ton of capital looking at this sector right now and for good reasons. Um, it's not going away. And that's what we really discovered over the last nine to 12 months when we talk about the industrial sector in general. And then we start looking at the uh, infrastructure. And this is cold storage is really all about infrastructure. Um, and that's why it's a very strong investment going forward. Tim, I really appreciate you stopping by uh, the Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast today. This was a really interesting, fascinating conversation. Uh, I think a lot of people, while they may be familiar with regular warehouse, are certainly cold storage is uh, a niche, but one that uh, might be uh, coming across their desk sooner than later, it sounds like. So I really appreciate you sharing the expertise and insight with us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.